92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. We got a packed show today. We got a good one. You might call it fire if you're Wes Bryant. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We're with you from 12 to 3 p.m. A couple of things to discuss. Coaching profiles for really the OG offensive minds in this group of candidates that Carolina is interviewing. We'll give you a profile on Frank Reich, who was interviewing for the head coaching job, and also Jim Caldwell, another former head head coach for the Colts and former coach for the Detroit Lions. Plus, at 1 o'clock, we'll welcome Joe Person of The Athletic. I'm sure you know who Joe is. He's all over this coaching search for Carolina. We'll discuss all of that with him again at 1 o'clock. And Brian Winhorst, ESPN NBA insider. I have a lot of stuff that I want to discuss with him regarding the Charlotte Hornets, how they'll approach the trade deadline, LaMelo Ball, his future in the NBA, if there really is a question to ask about LaMelo. So a lot of things to get to on Wesson Walker. And again, you can text in anytime you want to. The Garage Door Guru text line, 704-570-9610. And I thought I might start the show off getting clowned because I usually don't eat a whole lot during the day and then eat when I get back home because the midday show, it's a little bit of a weird time. Wes, I know you've been experimenting with snack times, right? Now you're bringing in chips. And so I felt like I needed to get something to eat. So I stopped by the gas station. I got just a little small hoagie sandwich and I was eating it at 1115 and you were about to clown me for eating that because it was still somewhat breakfast time. And then you said, oh, wait, no, it's 1115. Okay. I thought it was 10 something and I was about to clown you a little bit once we got on the air. saw you eating that I was like man I thought it was like 10 45 10 30 ish because I'm very quirky with food and time well you're very specific because again we're talking about 30 minutes that passes and you're like no that's not okay you know what's funny I'm like that with snacks like if I want like some days if I eat a rare candy bar some chips or something like that and it's like 10 30 I'm like nope gotta wait till 11 o'clock I'm like to me that's a suitable time well and it's not that different to me though because you're right i think there are definitely some weird things i mean i'm not eating a full-on steak at 11 o'clock but a little sandwich with turkey and cheese yeah, i call and 11 uh construction worker lunch or school lunch because when i work construction for a little bit uh that's the time that we ate you you guys both worked construction a little bit didn't you work construction or you did something like that right fitty yeah i used to do uh commercial heating and air and then i was a, an electrician. I'm still a part-time electrician. I'll, during the summer times, I'll go do wow. some work for my dad on the side to make some money. Okay. Hard worker. The yeah. grinder. Fitty coming in your house to do electricity work. You ever shocked yourself? Uh, oh, yeah. Plenty of times. Have you really? Ooh. Yes. Have you ever did the like TV like shake in? <laughs> did the like... skeleton show like Home Alone 2? <laughs> I don't know if that ever happened. Like One time, I, I distinctly remember getting electrocuted because I was given the wrong information. And so when I grabbed what I was working on... Mm-hmm. You know, and like you think that you would just your body, your body would react and you let go. That's not how it works. It's like you hold on for a little well, bit. Well, you tense up. Yeah. I, yeah. No, that, that makes sense. That's what you hear from people that have been electrocuted. I have not. I that's I mean, it, I'm glad you're OK, but it is funny to me that <laughs> how bad was it? How bad did it hurt? Oh, it, it, it hurt. And my dad's co-worker who still works for him to this day, he got a good cussing out of me. <laughs> I lost it because, yeah, yeah. 
when you have all the, the all that electricity going through your body, uh-huh. you know, and I'm already, you know, electrical enough as it is. I was going to say what that's not any different from who you usually are. Yeah. All the electricity from Fitty. Fried Fitty. That's it. <laughs> did you soil did you soil yourself? <laughs> did you need to change pants afterwards? Um, no, I did not. Okay. I think you did, and you just don't want to tell us. No, if, look, <laughs> if, if, if I would have soiled myself, I would be willing to say, yeah, I had to go home. You know, that just didn't happen. Uh, Steve from Salisbury is being technical on us. He said, if you were electrocuted, you would be dead. You were shocked. All right. All we'll right, sure. all right, Steve. Way, way, to, way to have some fun on a Friday, Steve. We do have one funny text coming in from a 704 number. All it says is, WFNZ question mark? <laughs> like you I just think that's funny. I, yes. That is funny. It's the right number. You got it. Did we send a text message to him and he thought it was from his mom or from their from their sibling or something? Like, wait, is this WFNZ? Is this the wrong number? And it's the only text. It's the only one that we got in that chat. No, this is Sports Radio 927 FM. WFNZ. And I do want to know from the listeners if there is a cutoff time for breakfast. Cowherd wrote in and said that once McDonald's stops serving breakfast, then it's officially lunchtime. And I believe that's about 1030. I go about 1130 cutoff for breakfast. So then you do want to clown me a little bit because I was eating it. No, right no, no. Before. I think after 11, you can start eating like lunch type of stuff. Uh huh. But 1130 is my cutoff for eating breakfast food though okay that's a really late break okay all right well we'll uh we'll try to figure that out and then go by the numbers here and be technical because steve from salisbury wants us to mention that it's only a shock in construction if you're electrocuted you're dead and then we'll also have a big time cutoff on breakfast to lunch yeah 352 number writing in new phone who dis new show who dis yeah it's wesson walker <laughs> and we're pulling up to the scene and we're all set up now nice it's segue. time to get off of the bus we look good getting off the bus i got something to say Coaching profiles today as the interviews continue for Carolina. We'll go with Frank Reich and Jim Caldwell. They're the old minds of all of the offensive uh, offensive-minded coaches that they are bringing in here. Ben Johnson, 36. I think Shane Steichen is like 37 or 38. We know Ken Dorsey is in his very early 40s. But Jim Caldwell, older guy, same thing with Frank Reich. Do you think the experience and the head coaching experience, mind you, from both of these candidates make them a little more attractive and maybe even a little safer than the other ones we're discussing? Uh, I think in some <laughs> cases like a Caldwell to where he ended his head coaching thing with what a lot of people felt like was a raw deal uh, as much as he wanted Detroit. I think maybe you can say that with him, him being a safe hire. Frank Reich, like I said, he did do some good things in Indianapolis, but he indeed was fired due to record. So I don't know necessarily that you can say that, but I think that you kind of know what you're getting into with guys that have been there this season, the experience. They know the, the, the fundamentals. Well, this is what we do in all of sports. We do the retread thing because you get comfortable and you talk yourself into, well, they have the experience of being a head coach and you want to give them a second chance. I am a fan of second chances in some cases. It obviously always depends on context. And Frank Reich is the kind of guy that I might be willing to give a second chance. I don't know if Jim Caldwell 
should have been fired in order to get a third chance, right? Because he was fired by the Colts after a 2-14 season. Yeah. That was atrocious, but you didn't have Peyton Manning. You get Andrew Luck and that whole Colts um, changing of the guard happens there in Indianapolis. Right. He gets the Detroit job and has as much success as anybody really has with the Lions. Yeah, and then, any coach in Lions history. Correct. And then gets let go yeah. and we're all like, okay, and certainly have not had the same success. Even with Ben Johnson and OC there, it's his first year and they're on the right trajectory, but Jim Caldwell had them at least in the playoffs. So I do think if you're going to do somewhat of a retread route, these names I do find interesting. A lot of people like the idea of retaining Steve Wilkes as the head coach and then bringing on Frank Reich as an offensive coordinator. We do know there were reports about Frank being interested enough getting back into the NFL where he might have been okay being under someone and being that OC. How would you like maybe Frank Reich? Jim Caldwell, if he's willing to do it, but Frank Reich specifically here as the OC and them retaining Steve Wilkes. How would you like that situation? Yeah, I think that would be a, a, a great thing if you were able to get Frank Reich as your OC. Maybe he doesn't want to uh, go back into the head coaching game or whatever the case may be and is comfortable uh, with being an offensive coordinator. We know that he's had lots of success with Peyton Manning. We know that he's had a lot of success with the Philadelphia Eagles uh, in that role as well. So I think that would be a tremendous win uh, if you were able to get him to be an offensive coordinator. So Simon Says writes in something somewhat of a good question as well. Reich and Caldwell are definitely safer than Wilkes. It's not a question. It's just a statement. Is that a statement you would agree with that those two candidates are safer than rolling with Steve Wilkes as your head coach for the future? I think it's just safe because we know they've had experiences, but I don't know that it's safer as far as them being a better coach than Wilkes because Wilkes hasn't really had a fair chance to show that yet. And they're both offensive minds. Somebody wrote in yesterday that it's weird to put Steve Wilkes in the defensive category. The dude's a defensive coordinator. I mean, he was a defensive coordinator at Missouri, defensive backs coach right. with the Panthers during that run. Got to start as a defensive coordinator at Johnson C. Smith. He's a defensive guy. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. But so clearly, defensive guy, and we'll see if Carolina decides to go that route. But I think it's all somewhat safe. And I've said this is the easiest route is to stick with Steve Wilkes. And it doesn't mean it's the wrong one. I think in many respects, it's the right one to just roll with the guy that the players in that locker room want and have been extremely vocal about wanting that goes 500 with the football team that I don't know if you would have expected anything more from the roster that was put together after you trade Christian McCaffrey, after you have to go through quarterback limbo, Baker Mayfield, P.J. Walker, and Sam Darnold, where you actually get the most production out of Sam Donald as any coach has ever had in the NFL before and you go 500 I just don't know what a better record could have been under Wilkes because of the expectations we had once he took over I think he's earned this job but it does not mean these other names aren't attractive what they've done with their offensive units with their defensive units in their past it means yeah they're absolutely attractive if david tepper scott fitterer depending on how much responsibility he has here they're absolutely going to be some candidates worth taking a look at yeah and i would say with sam don i would say he's gotten the most efficiency out of him but i don't know what i'd say the most in the nfl production. i'd say the most efficient most efficiency. No, I, I know what you're saying. I think it's both. I just don't know if there's anybody else that's gotten the kind of production that he got from Sam either. It didn't happen with the Jets. Made the first three games, maybe, I guess, for Matt Rule. But I think what happened after that more than destroyed the first three games last year. So I think that's that's the point, right? Like, with, with for Steve Wilkes, efficiency, production, 
all good things that we mm-hmm. got from Darnold for the most part in this most recent stretch that he played quarterback. So we'll have the coaching profiles. Joe Person going to be talking with us as well about that coaching search. So we'll get to that at 1 o'clock too. Um, and I'm really interested in talking with Brian Windhorse. What are some of the most pressing questions we want to ask an NBA insider that's as tapped into the association as anybody really out there? Well, definitely a lot of the insider information that you talked about and just the perceptions uh, around the league of like our star player, LaMelo Ball, the perceptions of the Charlotte Hornets organization uh, as a whole. Yeah, and he just confirmed, by the way. So great uh, having Brian on a little bit later on today. And so, uh, Fiddy, well, he already confirmed, but he t- texted back and said good to go. Uh, Fiddy, what do you think are some of the more pressing questions about the Hornets right now with Jalen McDaniels in some rumors, LaMelo Ball being the star, Brian Windhorse is actually coming back from France, watching Victor Wembanyama play, who is absolutely in play for the Charlotte Hornets. What are some of the things that come to mind for you? I think a conversation we got to start having, and we probably didn't think we were going to have this conversation, isn't do, do the Hornets move on from Steve Clifford? It's does Steve Clifford move on from the Hornets? Because I think we're getting closer and closer to him just coming in one day and throwing his hands up and saying, this ain't, this ain't worth it. It's not worth the money. It's not worth the headache. Your boy, Doug Branson, put out a tweet last night because the Raptors aren't a good basketball team. So the lower bowl was empty where you could hear Steve Clifford telling his guys to switch on defense. And they just quite simply didn't do no, it. No, that's okay. We're not going to switch on defense. Like, you know, he can go back to Brooklyn and help Jock Vaughn coach Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and he as opposed that. to doing this. And he enjoyed that. And, Wes, that's what that's what sucks for Steve Clifford, man. Like, I'm a fan of the Charlotte Hornets. I want the Hornets to do well. But we know what it is when this keeps repeating itself over and over again since we've had the second iteration of this franchise come back from the Bobcats transition into the Hornets again. Steve Clifford came into this situation thinking he was going to have the most talented roster ever assembled for a franchise that he was coaching and Miles Bridges arrested for felony domestic violence. You have all of the different injuries here. Clearly not the team that he thought he was going to be coaching and he wanted playoff success so badly because he hadn't experienced it before and he thought this would be an opportunity for him to get there. Maybe not if this season then the next season once you build off of something. Wes, they're not anywhere close. We are talking about them being the worst NBA team in the entire league, and it's not something Steve Clifford anticipated getting this job. Well, you know what I call that? What's that? That, folks, is Queen City Magic. You know what I'm saying? That's At the his worst finest. kind of magic. At his finest. No, you know what I'm worst. saying? A man comes into the job thinking it's going to be one way, and it's something completely different. But the thing is, if they do get rid of him, what are they going to do? The Hornets aren't going to go out and spend big money for a coach. They've shown you that. They brought in guys we've never heard of, or guys that, you know, just... You're like, who? You know what I'm saying? Because they're not going to go splurge. They're not going to shoot for a home run for a coach. So if they go get Clifford, I did love JB. But if they if they get rid of Clifford or if Clifford leaves, it's like, who are they going to go get? Because this organization doesn't seem to be hell-bent uh, on winning at all costs and making the home run or the splash higher. So we'll see what can happen with the Charlotte Hornets as this season unfolds. And we'll talk a little bit more with that um, with Brian Windhorse about that at 2 o'clock. But plenty of Carolina Panthers discussion coming up. A Frank Reich coaching profile up next on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Talking about firing coaches, 
Brandon Staley was the topic of choice during the break. Fitty's ready to fire Brandon Staley if they lose this playoff game. Mike Williams not going, the former Clemson wideout that has been a lot more consistent player as he's gone on in his career, but still a little bit injury prone. Unfortunate that he's not going to play. Fitty, you think Brandon Staley should be gonzo if they indeed lose this first playoff game? I'd leave his ass in Jacksonville in the stadium and just say, figure it out. You guys weren't you guys weren't debating, right? Wes, you agree with him to a certain extent, Brandon. Yeah, Staley. because after what happened last year, I forgot right. about what happened last year, where they had a chance to go to the playoffs, and because of his decision making, they did. And then if they went and lost this game too, yeah, I'd get him out of there. Yeah, well, the the thing is, I like the aggressiveness from Staley, but at the same time, there there's there's some reasons where nope. you just don't need to go that much he, with the fourth down. He's too much into the analytics geeks, where he trusts those numbers and these formulas. He never trusts his gut, except he trusted his gut on Sunday to play players in a meaningless game. That was that was a bad decision. Win, lose, or draw. And, dude, Mike Williams, like, th- this dude passes gas and he gets hurt. And you put him out there? What would you think was going to happen? <laughs> this guy said, D- I think you've had some kind of variation of dumbass twice, and then you want to call him, you know, passing gas. You've just got butt on the brain right now. That man. was funny, though, when he said that about Mike Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing just, somebody passing gas and injuring themselves because he is one of those type of players. Yeah, it sucks. He's a great. I mean, when it comes to 50-50 balls, like Michael, yeah, he makes go crazy catches, and yeah. then you have to worry about if he's going to get right. up. Right. It's unfortunate. You can text in 704-570-9610. That is the Garage Door Guru text line. Oh. We appreciate everybody writing in. Jack said we have the best music. We appreciate you writing that in. Um, and a lot of people were kind of giving us. Their thoughts on the breakfast lunch discussion when there is the cutoff. Yep. So Delvis the Rock wrote in at 1030, screw the breakfast food. It's time for the lunch food, baby. Mm. So he's going to lunch at 1030. Um, Brian is saying breakfast is all day, every day. Praise Waffle House. But you say you hate yeah, I'm about to set it off. I'm about to set it off. Yeah, I'm very quirky with my times and foods. I'm not a breakfast for dinner guy. I want dinner food at dinner. Don't come give me no cold cuts. I don't want a sandwich for dinner. Like, I don't want any. I want dinner food at dinner to associate, like, cold cuts with lunchtime. (laughs) I want breakfast food at breakfast time. I could count on my hands the amount of times in my life I've eaten breakfast for, for dinner. Fitty, you seem like a big breakfast for dinner type of guy. Yes, breakfast for dinner. Like, it just hits different when you're having eggs, bacon, grits, Hash browns, biscuits, that does sound good. sausage, liver mush, weird. muffins. Like it just it tastes better at nighttime. I don't know what it is. I love breakfast for dinner. <laughs> it makes it feel weird. It makes the day feel weird when you have breakfast for dinner. It, it just it feels like the day's been flipped upside down to me. I'm not a huge fan of it. I don't mind it. I'm not nearly as staunch in my ways as you are, but I do <laughs> I do uh not really go that route a whole lot. NASCAR Brad said I'm an early riser, so after ten thirty, it's no longer breakfast. Seven oh four number wrote in a great point. Weekends and weekdays have different eat times. Totally subscribe to that theory. Weekends, weekdays, completely different. <laughs> You're looking at me like, are you going to change up what you think? Not change it up. Yeah. I was looking for something, I guess. But yeah, no, yeah. weekends and weekdays. No, it, uh, it doesn't change too much. Not for me, really. Anything for you? 
No to the same thing. You don't. You don't mind. You're gonna eat breakfast any time of the day. I eat any time. Like for me, my eating habits they don't change depending on the day, week, or time. Like I'm gonna eat whatever the hell I want to eat. Yeah, I think most people are team breakfast all day, or we can move on to lunch once we get to ten thirty. So you cut it off. Well, you cut I'll, it off pretty. I'll uh, be alone. Late. Yeah, I'm only child. There so you go. I'm used to it. Well, how about we can look? We've said it a million times. If you go down, I go down with you. It's Wes and Walker. Most of the video alongside. No, every single time. That's what we do, <laughs> and I appreciate you abiding by that rule as well let's get to the coaching profile frank reich former colts head coach former offensive assistant with the philadelphia eagles and frank reich got the job with indianapolis only after the colts hired josh mcdaniels josh mcdaniels talks about taking that job over hires a whole bunch of assistants to leave their jobs at the time to come over and coach with the colts organization and then McDaniel's like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm going to go with New England again. And then so Chris Ballard, Jim Irsay, they're left scrambling, trying to find somebody different, and they come up with a better hire anyway. Frank Reich, absolutely the better hire than what Josh McDaniels is, and we got confirmation on that with how it's gone with McDaniels over with the Las Vegas Raiders organization. Frank Reich comes over to coach the Colts, and right away – shows you just how good of a play caller he is. And remember, this is also a team that has not had a franchise quarterback. So they've switched quarterbacks up every single season. They have the crazy bad luck with Andrew Luck, where he decides, I'm done. It's still one of the more bizarre sports stories I ever see, I ever remember coming across my phone, getting that ESPN update and realizing it wasn't April 1st and realizing it wasn't an April Fool's joke. Oh, wait, Andrew Luck is retiring. So that speaking of scrambling, then they had to go to a couple of different quarterbacks. So then you go to Kobe Brissett. Doesn't really work for you. Go to Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers actually has a pretty good old man season, but then they lose to the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs, and it was a very close game. Philip Rivers leaves. You go Carson Wentz. Then you go Matt Ryan. Every single year, you're dealing with a new quarterback, and it just never worked out. But when you had Andrew Luck... Your offense was clicking. In 2020, your offense was top 10 in yards, and your offense was top 10 in points. I think he's a good play caller. I think game management and a little bit of old head stuff seeps in every now and then where he doesn't want to be as aggressive. He settles for field goals. That drives me kind of mad, and I you know, watch the Colts, my whole family, Colts fans, because they live in Indianapolis. So I got to see a little bit more of this. But overall, having watched him with the Colts, I do think it would be – a good guy to bring on board, whether it's as the head coach or whether it's as the offensive coordinator. What do you think about Frank Reich? And would he feel too much like a retread for you? I think he would, because like I said, I don't necessarily like to hire a head coach that's been fired. Um, You know, and I know everything is circumstances and a lot of people saying he had a, you know, tough time because of the quarterback play that the Colts had. But, uh, you know, he's got good experience. He coached under Dungy and Caldwell, Ken Wisenhunt, some of those guys. He's got a couple of championships to his resume as well uh, during his coaching tender to a tenure, two of those, 2006-2017. So he's got winning pedigree. He's been, you know, he's fourth all-time for the Indianapolis Colts in winning percentage. But for me, you know, this guy's as seasoned as they come, 26 years of NFL experience. We know that he's coached. Peyton Manning, and, uh, you know, he helped him become the player that he's become. But for me, it would feel a little bit like a retread because I just feel like regardless of the circumstances or not, when you were fired because of your record, you know, it just feels a little bit like, 
And I know that some guys, the second time around, they can get it right after they go through it and get the experience. But for me, in a decision of this magnitude for a franchise like this, I don't know that I would want to get a coach off of uh, the firing heap. Yeah, Frank Reich being hired over Steve Wilkes would almost feel like a little bit more of a slap in the face than some of these other young OCs. Because the idea is that the ceiling is the roof, so to speak, with Ben Johnson. The ceiling is the roof with Shane Steichen. We haven't seen them as a head coach. And they could be that next golden boy, if you will, where you come in and bring your team to a Super Bowl like Sean McVay. And I know we have our debate with McVay, but you get the idea. Right. Zach Taylor with the Cincinnati Bengals, your former teammate, mm-hmm. oddly enough. Zach Taylor, success after rocky start, but gets his quarterback and then has success. And I do think Zach Taylor's done a good job adapting his offensive style, I think, even this year. He's had to change some things, and it worked out for him. Can you get that from a Steichen or a Ben Johnson? Well, if you hire Frank Reich over Steve Wilkes, two guys that have some coaching experience, and you're allowing him the retread, but you're not giving Steve Wilkes the second chance, that would hurt a little bit more, I would imagine, if you're Steve Wilkes. Yeah, I think so, too, man. As we said, I just said, you know, I don't want my coaches coming from a situation where they got fired to get there. Steve Wilkes, like... And comparing the two, Steve Wilkes got fired. It was a tough situation. We knew that that wasn't how it was supposed to go. He got put in a lose-lose situation, and he got fired. Okay, that's cool. He deserves a second chance. But as far as Frank Wright goes, like we were just saying, I just don't think hiring him over Wilkes uh, would be a good look. Um, If you look more, not only just with the Colts organization, but if you go back to the Philadelphia Eagles days, he was the OC in 2016 and 2017. He worked with Doug Peterson. And perhaps the strongest piece of evidence backing Frank Reich is what he was able to do with Carson Wentz in Philly and what he was able to do with Nick Foles during the Super Bowl run. Because he was credited a lot being largely responsible for the production you saw from both of those quarterbacks. A lot of Philly fans at the time were worried like hell when he left for the Colts because they felt he was a big part of the quarterback uh, uh, the quarterback position producing the way it did. And then you have like semi-tanking. It seemed like Doug Peterson lost the locker room because of that decision that seemingly came from the higher-ups, by the way, when they I think they benched Jalen Hurts or they brought him out there. I forget the situation. But then Doug Peterson's gone, doing a good job with Jacksonville. But having Nick Foles win Super Bowl MVP outdueling what is the GOAT in Tom Brady, going on a massive run in the postseason, and what is the most successful part of Carson Wentz's career we've ever seen? It was with Frank Reich in Philadelphia when he was younger, and that was before the injuries kind of caught up with Carson and didn't really happen with the Colts the second time around. But still, I think you can give him credit for that. So maybe that is the idea that David Tepper, Scott Fitterer, or higher-ups here might be pitching to Frank Reich. Would you be on board with becoming offensive coordinator and then having Steve Wilkes be that head coach. And if Frank Reich is cool with that, I wonder if that's more valuable than trying to lock in one of these other young OCs like Steichen, like Johnson, like Ken Dorsey. So if you had it your way, Wes, and you had two sides of the coin, on one side, it's Steve Wilkes head coach, Frank Reich offensive coordinator, you walk away right now. Or you would rather go to the other side and say, I'd rather take my chance with whatever Johnson, Steichen, or Dorsey. Which side of the coin are you landing on? Uh, you know, I like to take a few risks here and there. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I kind of like the new blood. I think I would go with 
one of the new guys. And Mike Kafka seems to be the one you're a little bit more out on. So if yeah. it, it, so Dorsey, Steichen, Dorsey, and Johnson are the other guys. Dorsey or Ben Johnson, and I think uh, at this point, oh, it'll be hard to pick because I kind of have a little bit of nostalgia with Dorsey, the Miami time, and he was a Niner as well. You're going. I with, thought Dorsey was going to be the next Joe Montana, but oh, that's another story. He was he was drafted <laughs> late, right? I mean, right, he was drafted, he was drafted so late, late yeah. like Montana, national championship, mm-hmm. not the strongest arm, all that stuff, and I was like, yo, he's going to be the next Montana, yo. And it just never worked out for him. <laughs> but it was a good. Out. But you also have the tie here to Carolina. That's another thing that actually is the bridge to some of these candidates. Ken Dorsey, quarterback coach for a long time in Carolina, going to the Super Bowl with this team, working and bringing the best out of Cam Newton. Frank Reich, former Panther quarterback himself and has ties to the area even still. So he would be coming home, quote unquote, so so to speak, or coming back to a familiar area. And you have those two. um, And then you have Steve Wilkes, who, yes, of course, is the interim coach, has experience with the Panthers organization, but grew up in the city. So... You're talking about ties with three of these different candidates. How much does that matter? Do you care where the coach comes from, or do you just say, I, I don't care where you come from as long as you win? Well, the Wilkes story, it is great. It, it's rare that you get a head coach that's from there, played high school football there. That is rare. So um, I'll say that much. It's just, you know, when I think about it, and, you know, I kind of think about things from a cinematic perspective. As far oh, as like, we're watching a movie. Yeah, when I'm when I'm when I'm driving down the street and I see billboards and I and I think about the 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 image of the product that I'm putting out there, ushering in a new age of Panther football, and I have a new quarterback, more than likely, and a new uh, young offensive-minded head coach. I think that looks good and kind of plays well for the future of my franchise and the future of the NFL. Is there any buyer's remorse on Joe Brady that affects your decision making with the young offensive coordinator becoming head coach? Because no, Joe Brady was not head coach here, but there are thoughts that the Joe Brady hire was made because David Tepper wanted it. And remember, even Matt Rule talked about how he wanted to bring in someone he was more familiar with but instead went with the hot hire in Joe Brady, who was going to get a job at the time, and David Tepper decided to open up the checkbook and say, come here to Carolina and transition from the 2019 offense in LSU and apply some of that as much as you can to the Carolina Panthers in the first year with Matt Rule. The young wizard mind, do you get a little scared of that because of your Joe Brady experience, or are you cool with any one of these other players? No, because for one, I thought Joe Brady, I thought that hire alone was privileged. I didn't think he deserved to be in the NFL anyway. I thought that all he did at LSU was he had great players and he found matchups and he had a great quarterback that was finding the matchups and that offense looked great. I never thought Joe Brady was what people thought he was going to be. So I say that to say that, you know, Dorsey and Ben Johnson and those guys, they are proving it at the NFL level. Uh, I've seen what they can do with NFL players. I've seen what they can do in NFL competition. I've seen the numbers that they put up against NFL competition. It's not a college guy who has arguably one of the greatest teams to ever be assembled and a fantastic number one pick quarterback and two Hall of Fame wide receivers and a really good third one, and they're just finding matchups and exploiting them. I I didn't really respect what he was doing. Well, we almost needed to go to the foul line there. We need to bring that back. We brought it it up twice in one show. I didn't didn't like that high at all. No, I... They were painting up Joe Brady. I didn't know. So, I actually like Joe Brady, 
but I didn't realize that we were going to have a foul line situation. Yeah, where nah, you, you I, I didn't whistled. like it. You could have been whistled there. Like All right, they look. were trying to tab that genius on him too, and I was like, get out of here. Don't if if you want to get West on the charity stripe, then call somebody a genius. <laughs> see what it is. Yeah, I didn't like that. All right, let's go to the first Fitty Flash of the day, then visit the campus corner. What's the first one you got for us? Well, guys, uh, the Warriors and the Spurs play tonight uh, in the association on ESPN. I think at 7.30 tip. The reason why this is important is that they are playing in the old Alamo Dome, and over 63,000 tickets have been sold. So the attendance for an NBA game will be set tonight. Walker, you're a hoop head. Wes, you grew up loving basketball, too. I figured I'd ask you guys, what old venue do you wish could be brought back for just a one-off for an NBA game? Well, I mean, the Coliseum is the first one that comes to mind. Over the old, uh, wherever the Supersonics used to play? I saw somebody, that would be great, too, but I saw somebody that had a t-shirt, and it was the Charlotte Coliseum on the t-shirt, and whew. I looked for that. I'm hoping the algorithm reaches me. You know again what I wish they would bring media. back? I wish they would bring back the old meter that used to go up. Remember the, all the Hugos and they would light up depending on how loud the crowd would get. And then when it would get super loud, that thing would just shoot up. <laughs> yeah. And they had the one where it would start flapping the wings. Yes, I do remember that. Ooh. My my favorite. My I wish fa- they bring that back. My favorite old game day experience was the Hornets blimp. Was Hugo the blimp that would drop yes. like Chick-fil-A gift I remember cards. that. Yeah, yeah, then, yeah, so, yeah. So everybody is reaching you know, or is reaching for the heavens almost like the rapture is coming but really it's just a $15 Chick-fil-A mm. gift card and it's just dropping among the masses and everybody's going crazy for it with the Hugo blimp circulating the stadium. Yeah, outside of the the hive though, I would probably say it was funny because we were watching the game the other night and I didn't know that the uh, the new stadium in LA is right by the old Great Western Forum and mm-hmm. so, you know, when I started being a Lakers fan when Shaq first went there. That's the one I thought of too. Yeah, Great Western Forum would be the one I would choose. Um, And plus when we talk about just different sites to play a basketball game. I think Rucker Park is constantly the name people think yeah. of. Or I the said venue. old venue. Oh, I, I know. I'm Do you so, not I'm, listen? I changed it up. I did listen. Yeah. And this I said, is my flash. You don't get to change it up. <laughs> then we could go to a party in the forum after. I'm not inviting Fiddy. You gotta invite <laughs> him because I'm not doing it. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. text line. I can only imagine the strays y'all throw at each other during the commercial breaks. I just called Fiddy annoying because he wouldn't back down talking crap to me. So that's how it get, That's how real it gets. What's the segment? It's not even a segment you're bringing up, Wes, but you keep saying, time to go to the closet and fight it out. Yeah, man. It, they said back in the day, like Gucci Man with his artists, if they had issues, they would just put them in a closet for five minutes and let them fight and get it over with that way. So I don't remember that. We could game. just do that. Don't remember that game going that way. The closet game. It seemed like something different in high school. Not yeah, necessarily. That's the what they say Gucci aspect. would do. I think Walker Flocker said that no, before. He uh, said that's what they would do. All right. Well, maybe we need that segment, and then we can just hash it out because we a lot of our segments now, or at least one of them with the foul line, where we're starting a trend of aggressive segments where we're yeah. just yelling at each other. Fire fizzle is pretty aggressive. Yeah, and it's a good aggressive. It's passion, I would say. Mm-hmm. Foul line is aggressive. If we go with this next one, we're just debating each other. That one gets, it gets wild up in here. It does. Wes and Walker.
Wild West. <laughs> the Wild Wild West, y'all. Yep. That's what it is. All right. Let's I used vi- to live downtown. Let's visit the campus corner and talk a little <laughs> bit about the college basketball schedule in the ACC. Wes, you look at the schedule, Louisville hosting North Carolina this weekend. You also have Florida State hosting 13th-ranked uh, Virginia. Clemson going to be hosting Duke. That's going to be a fun matchup given the way that Duke um, struggled a little bit, got back to their winning ways. Clemson towards the top of the ACC, which team has the best chance of an upset this weekend? I'm going to go with uh, Clemson right now, man. When you look at what they're doing this season, the way they're playing, as I said, four guys in double digits. Listen, Coach Brad Brownell has led the Tigers to the six most overall wins amongst ACC teams since the 2017-18 season. Hunter Tyson is bowling. Nine double-doubles. That ranks sixth nationally and first in the ACC, man. He's averaging 16 points, 10 boards, a game that's 17th in Division One, all of Division One. It seems like every time I hear Division One stat, the teams are just staggering. They say like they're 17th out of 230 teams. I'm like, good lord, like because mm-hmm. football seems like it's much less. And they're first in the ACC in three-point shooting uh, percentage, and they're 10th nationally and first in the ACC in free throw shooting. I think that place is going to be a madhouse. Little John, they'll be ready for Duke. Duke struggles to score the basketball, but they do rebound and they do play defense. So that's one thing that the Blue Devils do do. They had an emotional win versus Pitt. I did. (laughs) They have an emotional win. They had an emotional win over Pitt earlier this week. But I think that Clemson, if they can come out, play to that crowd, get some hot shooting going early, they can put Duke in a lot of trouble. So I'm going to go with the Tigers. Biddy, what do you think Duke can do do? Well, I, I I hope they do do on Saturday. I'm going to go with NC State though because I think I think State needs to keep stacking wins to really build them a much more quality resume. You know, they you know not have compared them to Wake Forest from a year ago, but Wake Forest didn't have enough quality wins. State gets a win over number 16 Miami with that win over Duke. If they split with Carolina this year. That might be enough to get them into the field. And I know y'all didn't mention the heels at Louisville on I, upset alert. Oh, I, I didn't say upset alert. I did mention the game. I, I just want y'all to know. Oh, yeah. That if, if they lose, I, I might not be here on Monday to talk about it. Is there a loss that would compare? Uh, yeah, well, Hampton in 2002, which was the... Uh, the check mark for Matt Doherty to get fired? I mean, so it was the so 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no no recently is the answer, but you're totally right. Louisville, they have two wins this season. They came in a row actually. They beat Western Kentucky, they beat FAMU only by, only by 6 points, and then they lost to everybody else. They actually lost to an Atlantic Sun team in Lipscomb, 75-67. to 67. Also lost to Bellarmine. Yeah, they did. And so, Wright State. Yeah, this is one of the worst. I've done a couple of their games, yeah. man. This is one of the worst teams I've seen, man. It is insane to me it, how bad they are. How worried? Now, I mean, they were within eight points of Wake Forest. They were within 13. That's probably pretty close to Clemson if you're just grading on a Louisville curve. North Carolina needs to win by 20, right? Uh, you know, it's really bad. Well, Baker's you know, like, gonna be out. Flounder was on this 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 mandate on our podcast, so they got. I just want to win. 
Like, they just need a road win. They oh, don't have I don't believe one you of them. for a second. If they win by five points, you are cursing just as mad as if they lost. Ace, dude, ACC road wins are hard to come by. I never take them for granted. They're building it in. Yeah. So, look, you know, look, if now if they want to go there and blow them out and make and give them a reason to fire Kenny Payne, who should have already been fired, mm-hmm. I'm glad, like, I'll, I'll be glad to be there to watch it happen. But as long as they win, that's all I'm worried about. This loss could literally keep them out of the tournament if, or if it. they were to lose. Yeah. You oh, would, love, would it. love it. Oh, you oh, would. Oh, this would be my I, kind of we would, we would have a huge meltdown on this show <laughs> because Wes would be talking grade A bleep and Fitty would not be here for it. That We actually might see a big I don't big know if explosion. I needle him because I know how much it means to him. I wouldn't needle him it like mean, that. It, you know what? When Carolina's lost this year, I talked to him like kind of general. I'll say little stuff. Right, but, but my point is the little stuff would mean more in that loss. We're talking <laughs> about 20 years. That bad of a loss is what it would be. Hampton yeah. is what he compared it to in 02. I might leave somebody five. Yeah, that would be, look, just for me, just please do me a solid and and don't talk that grade A trash to Fitty if it indeed happens. Let's go to college football just real quickly. Some exciting news if you're a Clemson Tiger fan. How about Dabo Sweeney? Firing Brandon Streeter, maybe it's weird to say that's exciting, but they do hire Garrett Riley, AC for TCU, and they hired him for an alleged two and a half, three million dollars. Big time hire. A lot of people are really excited about this, Wes. What does this mean to you, the Tigers going out and getting Garrett Riley? Well, it means that the Tigers aren't playing any games right now. They are seething mad at what has not happened to them in the last couple of seasons. They want their offense back on track. This guy was the 2022 Broyles Award winners, the top assistant in college football. We talked about it before the championship game. They led the nation in uh, plays over 50 yards. And uh, my man, Max Duggan, had a couple touchdowns short less than uh, of over 20 yards of C.J. Stroud. So this was a very explosive offense. I'm sure Dabo wants a lot of that. They were ninth in scoring last season. A lot of people criticized Dabo Sweeney for uh, getting rid or keeping guys in-house, hiring Brandon Streeter. I forgot what the D.C., what his name is that they hired uh, to take the place of one Brent Venable. So he took a lot of criticism for that, saying that he's not really about that championship life if he's not willing to go out. And this is what we talked about, Walker and Fitty. This is what we talked about. This is SEC-level type of stuff because allegedly they're paying this guy two and a half to $3 million to come here. This is the type of stuff you do when you want to be a perennial powerhouse. This is SEC-level type of move. You go out. Listen, I tried to go. The nice route, the loyal route, keep my guys, didn't work. We're at home. We're going to bowls that we're not used to going to. Now I want to get back with the big dogs. I'm going to make a big dog hire. I'm going to spend big dog money. This is what it takes, folks. If you want to be a player in college football, you got to pay to play. You got to pay coordinators top money, head coaches top money, top-notch facilities if you want to be in a CFP. They're not playing nice no more. Streeter served one season with them as the full-time play caller. And this is somebody that was a Clemson guy. He was an assistant coach since 2015. Played at QB from 95 to 99. And they said, no, thank you. You. Season didn't go as well. And by the way, go as well means they didn't reach the playoff. Right. So that's the standard they're holding it to. Sorry that's your family, but you got to go. And now you're throwing all the money at somebody that was the Broyles Award winner. That goes to the top assistant in all of college football. Clemson going after him. You're right. Clemson ain't playing around. And Dabo no was out there last night. I mean, like they said, they were talking about the Internet saying how, how just wild and cutthroat it was what they were doing. Like, 
I mean, they met him on the jet last night. Dabo was out there at the airport ready to receive him last night. He probably already had personnel list for him and all of that stuff as well. So Clemson is looking to make some moves in 2023. And just real quickly, this marks the first time Sweeney has fired an assistant coach since defensive coordinator Kevin yeah. Steele in the 2011 season. That was following the 70-33 to loss to West Virginia in the Orange Bowl. So that was the last time you fired somebody. We're talking about over a decade ago. Dabo does not do this. That only strengthens your point. Joe Person of The Athletic joining us next to discuss the Carolina Panthers coaching search. It's all on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7. WFNZ.